I'm Sam Carter. And I'm Dean Lowry. This is Carter and Lowry. Let's get started. Welcome back to Carter and Lowry, episode number seven. Sam, uh, we've come a long way in this. Uh, it's been a, it feels crazy to think that it's been a month and a half since we started, but um, yeah. here we are, and uh, things are heating up in the college football scene. So, Sam, what do you got for Clemson this week? Well, it was a good win against unranked Virginia Tech. It was a little shaky in the first quarter, but. I think, considering how we played, it was a good score, and I'm excited to play Notre Dame coming up. Yeah, that game against Notre Dame will be December 19th. That is the ACC championship. Uh, UNC improved the record to 7-3 against uh, Western Carolina, uh, scoring 42 points in the first half, ending with a final score of 49-9, to and a huge day for Michael Carter, uh, on his senior day, uh, having three touchdowns, we assume that he will get into the NFL, but only time will tell. And uh, next Saturday, UNC will play number 10 ranked Miami, and um, it's going to be questionable considering UNC is currently 17th in the nation. But a win over Miami could push them over the edge to get into a New Year's Six game, but I mean, it. Obviously, the top 12 teams normally get into that, so we're definitely going to be on the edge of that if we beat Miami. But the big question for the week for you, Sam, is obviously Clemson is playing Notre Dame in the ACC Championship, and they have a loss right now. Does Clemson need to really blow out Notre Dame in order to get to the college football playoff? I don't think so. I think that we're one of the best teams. So if we do beat Notre Dame, regardless of whether it's a blowout or a one-point win in triple overtime, I think that they'll put us in there. But we can't lose. Yeah, obviously, yeah, you, you got teams like uh, Texas A&M who have one loss and will not get to play in the SEC championship due to the fact that um, – Alabama obviously beat them. So, obviously, a loss for Clemson could tell a team like that or Florida or, like, a team like Wisconsin into the college football playoff. So, definitely a must-win game for the Tigers. And, uh, Sam, we, we wanted to remind everyone that last week, Miles Harp was questioning whether Ohio State was going to be able to get in due to the fact that they might not play enough games. But they did successfully play Michigan State – yeah. on Saturday, and so they will be eligible for the Big Ten Championship and likely will come home undefeated entering into the assumed fourth spot in the college football playoff. Well, they have to – And uh, that's just going to do it for a college football They have to play six games to go to – so they have to play right. this last game against Michigan. Right, but um, the big worry was canceling this game, but uh, – Thanks for that note. Um, and that's just going to about do it for our college football segment. Uh, coming up next, we'll give you the breakdown for the NFL. All 
All right, welcome back to uh, Carter and Lowry, uh, our NFL segment. Normally, I start off by giving you the breakdown for the Panthers, but uh, seeing as the Panthers have not missed a game due to COVID, uh, this week was our bye. And instead, I'm going to give you the score for every game pretty much as fast as I can. So the Chiefs beat the Broncos, the Packers beat the Eagles, the Patriots beat the Chargers, the Rams beat the Cardinals, the Giants beat the Seahawks, the Vikings beat the Jaguars, the Dolphins beat the Bengals, the Browns beat the Titans, the Saints beat the Falcons, the Raiders beat the Jets, the Colts beat the Texans, the Lions beat the Bears, and that is it as of the time of this recording. Uh, On Monday night, uh, Washington is playing the Steelers. We're going to assume that the Steelers are going to win this game. Um, And the Bills are playing the 49ers. We're going to assume that the Bills are going to win this game. And uh, this Tuesday, the Ravens are hosting the Cowboys. So, uh, Sam, uh, obviously last week on uh, Wednesday, the Steelers played the Ravens. So tell us what happened in that game. So let's just establish that we just watched maybe the sorriest game of the season. And... I'm just glad that the Steelers won. I mean, the fact that that game was even remotely close with the Ravens on their third string QB and half a defense, it's kind of sad, but, you know, it's a win. Yeah, the Steelers wrapping up a win with a 19-14 to victory, and a lot of people uh, over on Twitter and across the Internet are calling the Steelers a fake 11-0 team often point to the fact that they have only played two opponents who are currently over 500. So, Sam, obviously look at the great teams that have gone on undefeated runs. Most recently, my 2015 Panthers. Uh, is this team for real? Um, well, I don't see why they wouldn't be because, I mean – there's teams that have gotten in close games just like the Steelers have, but are unable to win them, like the Jets. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, you know. Yeah, um, so just give me a loose prediction here, just from try to be as unbiased as possible. How far, I mean, obviously we're going to assume that the Steelers, I mean, their schedule, they have some tough teams coming up, but I think that's teams they're all likely are going to be favored against. How far can this team go in the NFL playoffs? Um, I think they can go to the Super Bowl and maybe win it, but I don't know that that's going to happen. Because there's they got to play the Chiefs or, uh, I mean, it it just it's a it's a great run, but uh, we'll see. All right, uh, why don't you tell us uh, moving into the next part of our NFL segment? What's going on in the AFC uh, playoff picture? Well, so right now the Steelers at the top. Obviously, because of they're eleven and zero, and the Chiefs just clinched the second seed in the playoffs, and they won't have a bye because of the new playoff rules where seven teams make mm-hmm. it, and the Bills winning the um, 
AFC East yeah. right now. East. East, right? Yeah. Yes. And then the Titans right now winning the AFC South. And then the Browns coming in at the first wild card. The Dolphins at the second wild card. And the Colts at the third wild card. Yeah, over in the NFC, the Saints uh, getting their second win with Taysom Hill uh, right now would currently have the bye. They have just clinched the playoffs last week, improving the record yet again to 10-2. and two. The Packers currently hold the second seed, leading the NFC North. The Rams currently hold the three seed in a wild NFC West race. All three of those three teams in that division could potentially make the playoffs. And the 49ers, I mean, they're on the edge, but I think they still have a chance. Um, The Giants, obviously, we'll talk about them in a minute, uh, winning the NFC East. The Seahawks coming into the first wild card seed. Uh, The Buccaneers coming into the second wild card seed. And the Vikings rounding at the pack at 6-6. and So, I mean, the Panthers could be in the Vikings position right now had they held on. But um, considering 10 players the Panthers just got placed on the COVID list, uh, it might be just for the best that we start tanking for a draft pick. And our staple of the NFL segment, the NFC East game this week, yet again, I'm going with the New York Giants. Four wins in a row. Their last four wins every single game. They have held their opponent mm. to less than 20 points. This defense is playing amazing. And, I mean, they're starting a third-string quarterback. It doesn't even matter. I mean, they just held Russell Wilson. I mean, Russell Wilson looked like a, just an average quarterback yesterday when they were playing against the Giants. So this defense, it's something to really talk about. And that has got them at 5-7. and seven. I don't really know because right now – they would be playing the Seahawks uh, as it stands. Obviously, they can beat the Seahawks as they proved winning in Seattle on Sunday. Yeah. But this team could potentially, I think, could make it all the way to the NFC Championship just with the defense that they have. So, Sam, who do you have this week? Um, I also have to go with the Giants just because, like you said, four wins in a row. But they have the Cardinals coming up. So it's kind of iffy, but I take that over any of the other teams in the NFC East. Yeah, obviously Washington uh, playing the Steelers. We're going to assume they could lose, but if they do win, they would be at 5-7 and seven, right alongside those New York Giants. And uh, that's going to about do it for our NFL segment. Coming up next, we're going to give you a breakdown for college basketball. All right, uh, welcome back to Carter, the Carter and Lowry podcast. Uh, week two of college basketball, and the Tar Heels got plenty of action uh, on Tuesday with a 67-63 victory over the Stanford Cardinal. But sadly, on Wednesday, they fell on a last-second shot uh, to a number 17 Kansas, 69-67. But uh, the stats from this week... In oh yeah, sorry. Um, Stan in the Stanford game, all five guys in the starting lineup had double digit scoring, which is not unbelievable. It's an unbelievable improvement from last year when Cole Anthony was taking every single shot. It felt like last year. Uh, 
However, I did notice, and uh, Bill Walton was so kind to point out, uh, that in the Texas game, UNC shot 32 free throws compared to Texas's 14. Now, you could argue that our front court is our strength, and we like to go down there a lot, but there was just some questionable officiating. And, but the Tar Heels did not capitalize on the advantage that they were given, only shooting 56% from the line. And when you only lose a game by two, it just really hurts you. But uh, Garrison Brooks had a solid uh, 18 points and seven rebounds. Um, coming up in the next week on Tuesday night, the Heels will face number three Iowa, and averaging 35 points is their center, Luke Garza. Uh, and on Saturday, they were supposed to play Elon, but that game has been postponed due to a COVID-19 outbreak, I believe, at Elon. Uh, so maybe, again, we rescheduled, and if it is rescheduled after the time of this recording, I will put it in the description. All right, Sam, uh, tell us about the uh, other ACC games this week in the rankings. So some other notable games in the ACC is on Tuesday – Duke lost to Michigan State, number six Duke, to number eight Michigan State, seventy-five to sixty-nine, and unranked, no wins. Georgia Tech beat number twenty Kentucky, seventy-nine to sixty-two on Sunday. So that's kind of embarrassing for the. I mean, SEC Kentucky and- just. Yeah. Yeah. Kentucky's just terrible this year. Yep. And uh, so now six teams ranked in the top 25 for the ACC. Coming in at number 25 is Louisville. Then Florida State still at 22. Virginia still at 18. North Carolina at, at 16. Virginia Tech at 15. And Duke at number 10. Yeah, um, Virginia Tech, Louisville, and Florida State are all unbeaten. And that brings us to the debate question for this week. Uh, Obviously, you saw in last year's NBA season, the NBA sort of did a bubble in Orlando where they wouldn't let anybody in. It hasn't been as strict in college basketball, but as some of these tournaments are happening where you have multiple teams you know, all playing at the same venue, they have constructed bubbles, but the NCAA does not want this to happen for something such as conference play because um, it takes away the level of amateurism uh, due to the fact that they're just supposed to be players and not, uh, you know, not have it as their job. So, Sam, what I want to know for you is, does the safety that a bubble provides, is it worth it over breaking kind of their code of amateurism? Um, I think that you definitely put safety over just the amateurism because I think that should always be the case where you look at safety over above all. And then if, if you just put the teams in the bubble, I mean, it's just this season. So I think that it's the best option right now. Yeah, obviously, um, People such as Jay Billis have proposed the idea that each conference would have a bubble and where teams would stay in a hotel nearby and, you know, they play their conference games within there, not letting anybody in that has contracted the COVID-19 virus so that all of the conference games can be played 
without any cancellations. And uh, so that's going to wrap it up for our college basketball segment. Coming up next, uh, a sneak peek into the Christmas games for the NBA. Um, welcome back to uh, Carter and Lowry. Uh, so the NBA, with uh, training camp beginning this week, has officially released the first half of the season schedule. On uh, And Sam, why don't you give us uh, the schedule for Christmas Day? Uh, obviously, we talked about it before. One of America's pastimes is watching football on Thanksgiving. But we also love to watch NBA basketball on Christmas. So what's happening? So... For the first game of the day, the Pelicans take on the Heat in Miami. And then a good matchup, the Warriors versus the Bucks with Steph Curry back and Klay Thompson, maybe. And then at 5 o'clock, you have the Nets versus Celtics. And then Mavericks at Lakers at 8 o'clock. And Clippers at Nuggets. At ten thirty. Yeah, obviously you have uh, a young Zion versus the Heat. Uh, the Warriors they just have confirmed in the past couple of days that Clay Thompson will be out for the season, so he will not be playing them against the back to back reigning MVP. Uh, Kyrie returns to Boston. Uh, Luka Doncic versus LeBron, and then you have a the second round rematch from last year. But some other amazing matchups in the first half of the season, obviously. Kyrie returning to Boston, back-to-back MVP Giannis Antetokounmpo going against the Lakers on January 21st. Kevin Durant returning to the Golden State Warriors. Um, I'm sorry, returning to Oakland uh, on February 13th. Obviously, he didn't play last year due to that Achilles hair in the 2019 NBA Finals. Anthony Davis and LeBron hosting Katie and Kyrie on February 18th. A finals rematch in L.A. that will be Heat-Lakers on February 20th. And the Nets are playing against the Clippers on February 21st. Um, One thing I do want to point out, uh, just for the Hornets, is we did receive one national TV game um, in January when the Hornets traveled to New Orleans. That game will be nationally televised. Obviously, Zion playing against his... uh, Supposed hometown team, obviously he's from Spartanburg, and uh, Lonzo versus Lamelo is will be the point guard matchup. Uh, but some important information: if you have any non-cable streaming service such as Hulu or YouTube, they've actually dropped Fox Sports Southeast, which covers um, those Hornet games. And uh, unfortunately, I have YouTube TV, so I got to figure out a way to watch the Hornets. Uh, a contract dispute happened uh, where those services have dropped the Fox Sports local channels. Um, all right, uh, some other news around the association. Uh, Russell Westbrook has been traded for John Wall, a direct swap. Uh, Russell Westbrook obviously going to the Wizards, and John Wall will be going to the Rockets. Uh, LeBron James has agreed to a two-year, $85 million deal. This is the largest two-year contract in the history of the NBA. And he will surpass, in a couple of years, Kevin Garnett is the highest paid player ever uh, in cumulative contract money. And uh, Anthony Davis returns to the Lakers on a Supermax five-year, $190 million deal. 
So obviously it appears that the bulk of Anthony Davis' prime will be spent with the Lakers. And another thing that was released this week was the NBA City Edition jerseys. And we're going to give you our worst and best. And starting with, with myself, I think the Nets have the worst City Edition jersey. On the front, they got like this, um, it's almost like a like a sidewalk chalk, like written, it says Brooklyn. And I really just don't think it looks good. And then, I mean, it would have been better if they'd kept that on the back, but then they just have like a normal font, like on the yeah. on the back of the jersey. And I just don't think it looks very good. But for my best, although this may be a little bit biased, uh, I got to give it to the Hornets. This is one of their best jerseys ever. Uh, the the city edition, the teal with the gold uh, stripes. I mean. It's just yeah. spectacular. And obviously, honestly, I was expecting a little bit more out of this year's City Edition jerseys, but uh, there definitely are some good ones. So, Sam, give me your worst and your best. Well, my worst has to be the Knicks. It's pretty I mean, bad. If you haven't seen them, they are just horrible. I don't even know what they mean. It's just they look like a, a tire, and it says – City never sleeps uh, on the front. It just—if you haven't seen him, you got to. Yeah, I'll definitely up. put um, a then, link in the description of the podcast for uh, a list of all the jerseys. Yeah, but then my best has to be the Hornets as well. That that like teal mint color is just. Amazing. I, it's the best by far. Yeah. Um, some other notables, at least for myself, I think San Antonio. Um, it yeah. would have been better if they had just like their normal font, but they did like this weird, like, like I don't even know what, how to describe it, like font on the top of the three Fiesta stripes. Um, but I also thought that Milwaukee had a uh, – Good jersey design. They kind of, it's like a darker blue and then a blue slash on the top. I think it looks very good, but I mean, it's not as good as the Hornets. And I also thought the Lakers had a um, very nice city edition jersey. Obviously, they brought it back with, it's the same jersey, just with the uh, Minneapolis, when they were in Minneapolis, so the teal blue colors. And uh, Sam, you have any runner-ups? Um... I really thought that the uh, the Phoenix Suns yeah the the Valley city jerseys looked really good yeah with the gradient purple red orange and yellow it just looks really good in my opinion yeah obviously uh, and, and I think Cleveland is horrible oh, that whoever designed Cleveland <laughs> I mean yeah oh. them and the Knicks I mean. The disappointing thing is, is like yeah. in the era of, like I, I would say the '90s had the craziest basketball uniforms ever. Yeah. In the era of the, in that era, the Cavs and the Knicks had like their basic jerseys, and that was fine. Like the Bulls have always had the same jersey, yeah. but mm-hmm. I just don't get why you'd switch it up. And I mean. For every great jersey, there's got to be a bad jersey. And 
NBA teams love to go out on a limb, and uh, some of them really did in a good way and a bad way this year. Uh, so, Sam, you got any other thoughts before we wrap it up? Nope. All right. Uh, this has been Episode 7 of the Carter and Lowry Podcast. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Carter and Lowry. Special thanks to our listeners and our producer, Buzzsprout.